Nikki Lopez, who is a local product. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Uh, but Nikki, you know, his skill set, defensively, he's got a, a, a strong reputation. Um, you look at his defensive ratings or any sort of evaluation, it's strong. He can play shortstop, he can play second, he can play third base. He's coming from a uh, championship um, culture, I should say, in, in the Atlanta Braves and experiencing that, which um, you know, made this acquisition not only with Nikki but others to, to acquire guys that have been in an environment like that. Um, but yeah, Nikki, Nikki can certainly provide uh, improved defense, and, and that's certainly something that we've been set out to do. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score, David Haw, Bruce Levine until 10:45 today. Just had a really good conversation with Cody Bellinger, the Cubs center fielder and first baseman, and we're going to continue. The good vibes here with our next guest. And joining us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline is White Sox second baseman Nikki Lopez. Download the Circus Sports app today. Good morning, Nikki. I appreciate you joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And I just wondered, obviously, you're, you're coming home, so it's welcome home. The pride of Naperville Central. You inducted into the school's Sports Hall of Fame in the offseason what has it been like preparing for a season back where you grew up, back in Chicago in the area, and just back with the White Sox, uh, where a team I imagine you followed pretty closely growing up? Yeah, it's been it's been a wild off season. Um, got married in November. The day before I got married, I got the call saying that I was getting traded, and and that team that I was getting traded to was the Chicago White Sox. So it was it was definitely a whirlwind. Um, but it was it's it quickly turned from you know obviously I was with the Braves and it quickly turned from like oh I'm not going to be on that that team anymore to man I get to play for a hometown team and I've always said in my career I want to be able to play for a hometown team and uh, what better to do it than than in you know my prime years which is which is awesome so I'm I'm super excited I I grew up watching I, I went to the 05 World Series, um, you know, game two of the World Series. So I I lived it. I, I watched, um, you know, I emulated a lot of these guys in the in my backyard while I was a little kid. So it's it's uh, it's kind of crazy walking the halls here in, in Glendale, seeing all the, the White Sox stuff every day. So you were a big score listener while you were growing up. Is that what you're saying? You, you listen to sports <laughs> radio? Yes or no? <laughs> I definitely listen to sports radio. My my parents had it on all the time, um, so I, I I'm definitely familiar with the score for sure. <laughs> okay, I, I just wanted to get get that because uh, you I think you had alluded to it, uh, Nikki. When uh, there, there's there, is there a comfortability being around the uh, the manager, the coaches, the executives because of the Kansas City connection for you? I, I know you you know you left there, you went to Atlanta, you won a championship, but uh, what what does that feel like, knowing that you've come to a place where they really can appreciate who you are without looking just at at numbers, knowing the type of baseball player you are? Right, yeah, that, there is definitely a comfortability um, aspect to it. You know, I was drafted in 2016, and my, my first year there, um, you know, Chris Getz was actually in – in Kansas City at that time, um, obviously, um, you know Eddie Rodriguez was the infield coordinator um, when I was coming up, and then 
Uh, obviously, playing for Pedro was a, my bench coach uh, in Kansas City for uh, you know three years. So uh, definitely a comfortability. Tozar was the hitting coach um, there for for a year. So I, I was almost you know it's definitely a good comfortability coming here and knowing that they they've had you know a long look at me. Obviously, I went and played for the Braves, but you know the longest look was when I was with the with the Royals. So coming here and um, you know feeling comfortable and just knowing that these guys have you know, know the type of player I am, um, you know, know the type of hitter, the, you know, the type of d uh, defensive player, but also just kind of the person I am, the intangibles I can bring to a team. Um, it definitely eases the mind and allows me just to go out there and just compete and, and do my thing. So say you're Chris Getz and you're in a meeting and it's back in November and he wasn't invited to your wedding maybe. And he's telling the staff, like, <laughs> this is why we need to trade for Nicky Lopez. This is what he can do for this team at this time. The White Sox are, let's face it, in the midst of a rebuild. It was a difficult 101-loss season last year. It's a culture shock for you coming over from Atlanta, I'm sure. But what was Chris Getz, do you think, or what would be the way that you would sell yourself to either the White Sox organization or the White Sox fans, what you can do for them? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a high-motor, uh, high-energy guy who – you know, every time you step out on the field, I, I give 110%. You know, obviously, baseball is a game of failure. Um, you know, you're not going to get a hit every single time up. Um, but one thing that I will hang my hat on is my defensive ability and I and my and my effort. I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my butt every single day. Um, I'm gonna be playing good defense. You know, whether it's second, short, third, I can I, I hang my hat on playing you know Gold Glove caliber defense anywhere on the diamond. And then also, you know, and this is this doesn't show up on the back of a baseball card, but just the intangibles of of being a good clubhouse uh, guy, a good teammate, someone who brings energy to a clubhouse. Um, you know, always like, you know, pushing for your teammates, picking them up, um, trying to get the best out of everyone. So I like to keep it light. I like to keep you know the atmosphere light. This, this game is hard enough, so if you kind of dwell on it. Um, and you don't keep the mood light, uh, it's going to eat you up. So it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think, I think there's, you know, three, three to four tools. It's, it's obviously hitting, defense, um, you know, base running, and then that fourth, the fourth tool is the intangibles that you can bring to a, to a club, and everyone needs, needs those guys. They need those clubhouse guys that, that can, you know, change a culture, um, and I think I, I do a pretty good job at that. So, Nikki, I have you for 550 at-bats and 30 stolen bases, okay? <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is I know that Pedro is going to want to be aggressive with this group. The, the guys on the team, uh, the way that he wants baseball to be played, just the, the type of players you have, uh, do you think those numbers are realistic for you? I mean, your, your stolen base percentage is extremely high during your career, but you haven't had a chance to steal much over the last three or four years. What are your thoughts about that being a part of your game? I do. I, I, I really do believe it. And then, you know, just got to get on base. I know that's my main, my main goal and my main objective. And in 21, that was, you know, a big part of my game. Um, you know, I was able to see shortstop, you know, pretty much the whole year uh, in 21. Um, and I was able to steal, I think it was 23 23 bags that year or 22 bags that year and um but i think i think i can definitely get there with you know bougie's help and and just the trust of pedro and um but like you said we we want to we want to play that kind of style of baseball we have a lot of guys on this team that can run we have a lot of guys that you know 
got got to know their role, and my role is to get on base, you know, get in the scoring position, and then have the people behind me drive me in. Talking with Nikki Lopez here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And Nikki is a 2013 graduate of Naperville Central and grew up in the Chicagoland area. So, Nikki, if you are a Chicago sports fan growing up, let me give you a real quick three-question quiz to get your take. I want to get your take on this. Derek Rose's jersey, should it be retired? Yes, 100%. Were you a big Bulls guy growing up? I am, and I, st- and I still am. Obviously, it, it's um, you know they're kind of going through a, a different phase as well, but I'm a big Derrick Rose fan. Blackhawks won three cups in five years, 2010, 2013, 2015. Who was the most important member of that core? Ooh, um, Jonathan Taves, um, Marion Hosa. Can't argue with that. But but then uh, I think I think the most maybe the one of the more important ones was Duncan Keith. I think you're, that's a good call. Number two, Duncan Keith, because he got him knocked out against San Jose. Yeah, exactly. I still think. Yeah. Don't forget Showtime and Kaner. He could still play. I think if you saw that last Sunday Definitely night. Definitely Yeah. All right. As a Bears, as a Bears fan growing up, I got to get your take. Should the Bears trade Justin Fields? I think they they got to go with Caleb Williams. What do you think? Well, so so someone actually approached me yesterday after the game in Sloan Park. Um, a reporter and was like, "Hey, can I videotape you uh, answering this this same question?" I'm like, "Maybe, maybe another day." I was like, "I'm trying to stay away from it." Um, I am a Bears fan. I want them to do. You know, I was a big believer. Um, you know, my friends back home, they all live in Chicago, and uh, you know, we we do we have a group chat, and I'm you know, I was a big you know Justin Fields. We got to keep this. You know, he's had you know four offensive coordinators. Like it's. You know, you can't put all the blame on him, but then it's like, you know, you don't, you, you rarely see a, a generational talent like, like Caleb Williams. So I'm going to, I'm going to go the long about route and, you know, the safe route and say, I want them to do whatever is best <laughs> for the team, best for Justin. And, uh, but I, but I want to see winning, winning football in, um, in Chicago. It's a long line of people waiting for that. Nikki, we got to get you on the rotation here. You got some good takes. Uh, but it, 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 <laughs> we, heard, we heard from Justin Fields, and, and obviously as it pertains to your situation, he was talking about going back home potentially to Atlanta and how his phone wouldn't stop ringing if that were the case. You're coming back home in, in a sense, in, and you're going to have a, something to deal with in terms of a distraction that you didn't have to deal with in Kansas City or Atlanta or, or anywhere else. How prepared are you for that, and how real will that be? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of prepared. Um, you know, I think the good thing was is that, you know, this is going to be my fifth year in the big leagues. I've, I've been back to Chicago, whether it was playing with the, you know, the, the Royals, even though I was playing with the Royals. And um, so I've, I've had fans and, and family and friends. And I think as the years went on, the more times that I've been to, um, you know, Chicago, it's been a little bit easier each time. Um, but now being on the White Sox, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some people, you know, reaching out. Hey, can I can I get this? Can I get that? Or you know, we're we're coming to the games, and it, I, I think it's it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. Um, I have a great support, you know, uh, staff with my my family. Um, you know, blessed with two amazing brothers. Um, you know, two amazing parents, and then um, my wife. They they've been really good. They're they're really good at you know helping me and. And keeping you know some people away from away from me, and you know, hey, let him just do his job. So it, it's it's been really cool, um, and I'm, but I'm excited. You know, it's one of those things. It's not a lot of players can say that they get to go and play 
at the highest level in their in their hometown. So it's uh, and I know a lot of Chicago, and I'm, I just want to nip this in the butt. I know a lot of Chicago people are very um, passionate about if you're not from Chicago, then you're not, you know, you don't say you're from Chicago. I'm from live in Bolingbrook, went to Naperville schools, and I will I will honor that. So, um, <laughs> but it is kind of cool playing for 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 Chicago. Before we let you go, Nikki, and thanks again for taking some time out today. Looking forward to spending a lot of time with you during the season as well. When you uh, when you look at your experience in Atlanta and and you you saw that everyday lineup that looked like you know the old Yankees from '27 and Murderers Row, um, what was that like when you see a guy at first base that hits 54 home runs and drives in 137? And nobody even knows he's out there outside of Atlanta. What it, what is it like to be around uh, an offense like that for a whole season? It was it was unbelievable. It was um, you know I'm always an advocate for your you know everything happens for a reason, and I I truly believe that you know before coming to coming here, obviously it's changing the culture, changing stuff around here. I was I was meant to go to to Atlanta. I didn't play much. Um, that was. That was one of the good things, though, is that they they were super transparent. They're like, "Hey, our team, our guys play every single day. Just be ready whenever your name is called." But they're gonna play. They're gonna be in the lineup every day. And I was like, "All right, cool." So I quickly turned to how can I, you know, make use of this. So I was, you know, watching Olson and Acuna and, and Riley go about their business in the cages. I was every single day working with Ron Washington outside. Um, doing infield work and then doing early work um, and then during the game getting some you know work in with the with the hitting coaches and then um, watching their routines watching the way they go about their business and then on top of that they're they're winning 110 games and the way that they kind of go about their business in the clubhouse it was I learned so much in that half of year half of the year that I, I I don't think I would I would have been able to learn just from afar. So just being in that clubhouse, getting to learn from them, getting to pick their brain um, was something truly special. And then obviously getting traded here, it was like, man, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be on that team anymore, but it's also like, I'm going to use what I learned and, and bring it over here. Nikki, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And this has been a great audition tape for your score uh, debut, whenever that may be. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> I, uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Nicky right. Lopez, White Sox second baseman, Naperville Central uh, product in the Sports Hall of Fame, inducted over the winter, Bruce. Really bright guy, really good addition. Defensively, there are no questions. I think he's just got to be able to hit well enough to stay in the lineup. And Because you said once he gets to first base, he's a threat to steal second. Yeah, I can see uh, in 2028, it's uh, David Haw and Nicky Lopez. Uh, <laughs> Inside the clubhouse, and what was that old guy's name that used to do the show? I I forget who he was. He he was a cranky old guy. He argued he? a lot. Who who was that guy yeah, he used did. to argue with all the time? Glad Boy, he's gone. Six out of seven days, my blood pressure is not a problem. On Saturday, <laughs> it rises. So yeah. <laughs> but Bruce, he was pretty. He he. You can see why. Um, obviously, he. Would you say he's a placeholder? I, I think we can talk about that when we come back because I think it. he's I think he's a he's a place setter. He is a tone setter. Okay, 
the type of baseball they want to play, the type of individuals they want in that clubhouse. I know Sox fans are saying, yeah, but he can, can he hit? Can he score runs? He's going to help us win. He will. But it's an, there's, there's intangibles that you're going to have to look at when you watch Nicky Lopez play and understand where the White Sox are trying to head after 2024. We, we come back and we will play a different tune. We'll play our favorite game. It's time for some chin music here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm from Naperville, but of course I tell everyone I'm from Chicago. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Now you have runners on second, third, nobody out. With Nicky Lopez at the plate, he hits one in the air. Shallow right center field. Crow Armstrong can't find it in the sun. One run is in. As Lee comes in to score and heading to third, Fletcher advancing to second, Lopez. High fly ball hit to center field. Crow Armstrong having trouble and it drops again. Another run comes home as Lopez scores. It's now five to two White Sox. It's a helpless feeling out there when you can't find the ball. Thank you, Zach Zaidman and the Marquee Sports Network for that highlight from Friday. David Hall, Bruce Levine inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Yeah, this is chin music, just different musical bed this week because it's Sky Pilot. You'll recognize that, I'm sure, because of how much difficulty P- PCA had navigating the skies and the sun. Again, Bruce, what's going on? This is something that happened last year in Denver when he first came up twice yesterday. Is this a problem that Cub fans should be concerned about? What say you? Are people waiting for this guy to fail? I mean, is that is that what we're talking about here, David? Is that our the way our world works now? Touted guy, you know, can't miss young player, number one in the organization, and whoops, a mistake here, a mistake there, and it's okay. 0 for 14 last year, uh, coming into Major League Baseball, no hits. Um, are we just asking? How much a young guy can handle before he breaks? Is, is, that, is that what we're looking at right now? Bruce, I'll tell you this. No, because I love PCA. He was on the show last week. I mean, he's the easiest guy in that team to root for, blue hair and all. Look, but he could be, he could be the who, – who else do they have out there in, in the outfield? Some guy named Roderer. I'm looking at the box score. It could have been Nuagu. It could have been anybody. You lose the ball twice in the sun, and you're gonna get you're gonna get some criticism. That can't happen in the major leagues. But it's once him. maybe okay. It, yeah. It's the it's the number one. It's not it's not Casey. It, you know, it, it's not uh, one of the other outfielders. It's the guy that everyone is expecting to be the next star for the Chicago Cubs and. He has a bad day, okay? I mean, you know, I've lost a lot of them in the sun on this show. Many, many. But I'm not saying, and we're not pointing this out because I think he's not going to make the team or he shouldn't be uh, on the roster on opening day. But you lose two balls in the sun, you're going to – it's the majors. Welcome to the show, kid. Okay. Catch a fly ball. Let's get to the point. Is he ready to play in the major leagues or not? I don't think we know that, Okay. I don't think we know that he's ready to be an everyday center fielder. I don't know if council is going to know that before spring training is up. Uh, there'll be a decision made. Do they want him to have a more hard hit factor uh, at, at 
AAA. I, I, I understand that. I get that. Now that they have Bellinger, they have an everyday center fielder. He's only a phone call away if he's needed. You have uh, Michael um, Bush. You have Bush to play first base. You have other options out there right now. So does he benefit more by playing every day at at AAA or three to four times a week and almost every day on defense when they're in a close game at the big league level? I've I've been up and back on this myself, David. Same. You same. know, your thoughts because I I, uh, I feel that major league time is so essential, uh, yet you know, maybe the player development at the AAA level is not over yet. Also, as as absurd as it might seem to discuss today, his defense is going to eventually help the Cubs win close games. And I think of his course. speed base could running also – Base running, he could steal a base when you need it. So I think there's value in having him on the major league team. But I also think that the counter to that is playing every day is a necessity for somebody as young as he is and as valuable as he can be as a prospect. But let me ask you this, though. Because we have had him – obviously on the show, and we hear how mature he is, how much attention that he gets, and how he handles that really pretty well, Bruce. Do you think that the Cubs' decision will be based at all on non-baseball issues? Like, how can he handle this? What will this, what will this say about him? And, and, and whether or not they want to keep him on the major league team and face the questions on a regular basis, why aren't you playing more? Why aren't you hitting better? Do you think that will factor into their decision when they're evaluating what's best for PCA? I believe when his hair goes back to brown, they will consider him mature enough to play at the major league level. I, I don't have these answers. I, I don't think there's anything finite about, you know, figuring out whether he's going to be more beneficial for them at, at, at Clark and Addison or at, uh, or at Iowa. I just, I don't know. It, it's really one of those in-betweens. I guess, I guess the rest of the roster will determine what they need from uh, PCA starting in the year. You, you like to say, well, you got one of the great young players they think developing, his his development should come first. But again, it's a team game. Uh, how he can help the Cubs at the big league level is really essential as well. Carter Hawkins called PCA the most mature blue-haired person he'd ever met. Is that <laughs> is that something that you want to be known as? I, I do wonder this, Bruce. We kind of kidded about it, and it is amusing to wonder how well Craig Council will suffer fools and what his sense of humor and, and threshold is for things that are maybe non-baseball-related silliness. I, I, I do wonder a little bit about Craig Council having to manage a player that you know, some of the things we say about PCA are unrelated to baseball. He's got a reputation. He's got a big personality. How does that play as a young player in Craig Council's clubhouse or dugout? I don't know the answer to that. Do you want to hazard a guess? Well, look, he's had a lot of different types to manage in Milwaukee, too. This isn't the first rodeo for him as a manager. He's had different personalities there. So I don't think, uh, I don't think this is going to be difficult for him. Craig is, uh, you know, I, I, from what I've known of him and I've known him since he played, um, he doesn't, he's not in the judgmental business whatsoever, okay? Yeah. He's in the winning baseball game business and nobody stays more focused than, than him. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people focus, but he's really focused on baseball and, 
and playing uh, playing that game that day and winning that day. I mean, the good managers are always like that. I just don't I don't think that in this day and age you can't be a, a manager for seven or eight years in Milwaukee, even nine years, whatever it was, and be a judgmental type and be successful. So I, I'm not worried about that. If PCA can play on the field, that's the only thing that Craig Council is going to be concerned with. I tend to agree with that, Bruce, and I think I just ask because this is a team, as we know, with high expectations. A lot of them are rooted in the fact that Justin Steele is going to be the ace again. We saw him Friday, and obviously with Justin Steele coming off a great year, 16-5, and 306 ERA, 173 innings pitch, Bruce. I am curious what you think about him having back-to-back stellar seasons after going as – pitching as often and more often than he had at any time in his career and what that might do to his arm and if you're concerned about that. Well, let's listen to uh, Steele talk about what his expectations are first, David. you have a goal of 200 innings or anything like that? Or yeah, I mean, I want to get up over 180 and, you know, push that 200 inning mark. And for me, that's kind of where, like, the workhorse name kind of comes in. So and that's something I want to be a part of. And when you, when you hear that, David uh, – you hear a very serious guy, but now the, the very shy Justin Steele that we knew coming in three years ago, four years ago, is starting to be elongated in expressing himself and uh, talking about uh, himself and kind of emerging as, as a leader in his own right on that pitching staff. Obviously, he's going to be the opening starter, bar, barring any injury. And um, it, it's fun to watch these young guys grow in a clubhouse and as young people as well as their careers start to matriculate. He's your ace. I think Kyle Hendricks probably number two. Tyone fits in there somewhere. I'm curious, very curious where Shota Imanaga will fit into this rotation. He makes his debut today at 2 o'clock on the Marquee Sports Network against the Los Angeles Dodgers, Bruce. I think there's a lot of curiosity. And as you talk about the fifth starter position, boy, where does Drew Smiley fit in? We don't talk about Drew Smiley hardly at all, and he's still there, and he came back. I wonder what you think about Drew Smiley's role on this Cubs pitching staff. So Bruce Levine was managing the Cubs, and you know we know that's never going to happen, although we, we've done enough managing from this seat over the last 40 years. I would say that Drew Smiley would be my fifth starter for April and May. Okay. Okay. And particularly if you can match him up at Wrigley Field. Now – does that mean you're you're stunting the growth of a Jordan Wicks or a Javier Assad or whoever else they decide should be the fifth pitcher this year uh, starting out? I just think that Smiley had such a great start last year, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Wrigley plays like Yosemite in April and May. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm big on taking those advantages. I'm going to be curious to see if uh, – if, if counsel is that that way too, and that you can play the game that way and say, look, he might be the best pitcher in the National League uh, when those fly balls are going to be caught uh, in front of the warning track instead of going out in June, July, and August. So, Bruce, I think that be- that makes a lot of sense to me, I, and and I'm not against anything that might buy those young pitchers a little bit more time to develop and mature. Guys like Jordan Wicks, guys like Ben Brown. Uh, I think you talk about uh, Kate Horton down in 
the minors. Maybe that buys him a little bit more time. Maybe mm-hmm. the second half of the season, the Cub rotation will look a little bit differently than it does to begin it. But Drew Smiley guy is a guy that probably affords you that luxury. Yeah, I, I, and again, uh, it's easy for me to sit in this chair and say, okay, well, what do we do with Wicks? Do we send him back to AAA? Is that going to stunt his growth uh, at the major league level? And psychologically, is that the wrong move to make? You know, some of those things, you, you know, you have to consider that. I, I think Javier Assad is going to end up being still one of the most important pitchers for the Chicago Cubs in 2024. Bruce, if you were manager of the Cubs, though, you would hate those press conferences before and after games. Or at least I know I might. Yeah, you would be grumpy. You would not suffer fools as I well know, as Craig, know, uh, Craig Council's going to. I'm not. I wouldn't bite on any of Sully's questions. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, he's just baiting. He would just try to bait you as much as possible. He's the he's the best. He's oh, the he's best. the best at it. Yeah, he's been doing yeah. it a long time. He goes back yeah. he probably gets, almost he as gets, far as you do. And, and where do his uh, wonderful columns come from? All, all the, the, the questions that he asked to, to be ready. It's, it's the sign of a great reporter and a great columnist. So is that. This is a great week uh, ahead. A lot of curiosity about Imanaga today. I'm curious to know how uh, Bellinger will make his debut. We'll be back here next Saturday, Bruce, talking about everything regarding the Cubs and the White Sox. This was a fun show today. Cody Bellinger, Nikki Lopez. Boy, we had a lot of good conversations. And, Bruce, thank you for setting those up. It's been a fun show. Great, David. Sean Sears, job well done. Thank you very much. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com, where I write Cubs and Sox all week long. We'll be reporting on that as well. David, have a great week. Talk to you next Saturday. Thank you, Bruce. We'll be back here next Saturday. And, of course, Mully and Haw, 530 to 10 weekday mornings beginning Monday Uh, We'll talk about the weekend that was, and I'm going to do the Polar Plunge tomorrow. Can't wait. Thank you for listening to Inside the Clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. He has a bad day, okay? I mean, (laughs) you know, I've lost a lot of them in the sun on this show, many. The majors, welcome to the show, kid. Okay. Catch a fly ball.